Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there. Welcome back to the podcast. This will be for 2 Corinthians chapter 8. True saints impart of their substance to the poor. Christ out of his poverty brought eternal riches. Verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we would have you, not, we would have you to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they, are, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints, or ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we required, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and, un, and unto us by the willing of God, or by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, and in all diligence and in, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Bruce R. McConkie said, Those who abound in faith and the attributes of godliness are the ones who impart liberally of their substance for the temporal welfare of their brethren in the kingdom. Some of the tests incident to man's mortal probation involve his instinctive love for money, his pursuit of riches in general, his desires for the power, influence, and ease that grow out of great wealth. When he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit, however, and putteth off the natural man, and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord, he then becomes subject to a higher law. Money is no longer his master, it is his servant. To do good and work righteousness, he becomes a cheerful giver." Verse 8, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion for the, of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. In terms of riches, the great Jehovah, the creator of innumerable worlds, the lawgiver, and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, had all that the Father had. Prior to his mortal advent, he was richer than any mortal. As Craig Osler noted, if the glory of the pre-mortal Messiah is likened unto riches, then he was truly the richest of all. From this exalted station he, des he descended to be born into a, in a lowly manger, to be raised in humble circumstances, and to come forth from the despised town of Nazareth. We don't know what Jesus was like uh, during mortality, if he had lots of wealth or not. Uh, I would suppose, this is just my personal opinion, that in his profession, whatever it was, he was very successful at it, probably made a, a decent living, and uh, but then gave up what he needed to to, uh, to, do, to do his mission. and to. Uh, but I don't think he would have left his family destitute. He would have provided for his family uh, even while he was on his mission. Anyway, that's my opinion. Verse 10, and herein, I, in other words, I don't think he would uh, tell us to give up our, our wealth if he hadn't done the same thing himself. Verse 10, And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to, to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there, must, for if there be a first will, 
If there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. James E. Talmage wrote, In the accounts kept by the recording angels figured out according to the arithmetic of heaven, entries are made in terms of quality rather than of quantity, and values are determined on the basis of capability and intent. The rich gave much, yet kept back more. The widow's gift gift was her all. It was not the smallest of her offering that made it especially acceptable, but the spirit of sacrifice and devout intent with which she gave. On the books of the heavenly accountants, that widow's contribution was entered as a a munificent gift, surpassing in worth the largest of kings. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not." Verse 13, For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. He's talking here about the law of consecration. As it is written, He that hath gathered much hath nothing over, and he that hath gathered little had no lack. All contributions in the church should be based on ability to pay. The rich pay more tithing than the poor, and similarly should give more to succor the needy, to aid the missionary cause, and to build houses of worship. Thus, fast offering collections from from areas where the saints have an abundance supply the needs of those who, for a time and a season, are less blessed temporally. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. Verse 16, But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you, For indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you, and we have sent with him the brother, whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches, and not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord, and declaration of your ready mind, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Therefore we send him unto you, in consequence of the great confidence which we have in you, that you will receive the things concerning you to the glory of Christ. Whether we send by the hand of Titus, my partner, and fellow laborer, or our brethren, the messengers of the of the churches, wherefore show ye to them, and before the churches, the proof of your love, and of our boasting on your behalf." David O'McKay said, Titus seems to have been one of the chief men in collecting contributions for the relief of the poor in Judea. When he returned to Corinth, he continued to make collections to, for Paul to take to, to Jerusalem in the near future. Uh, that's the end of the chapter. Anyway, we'll see you next time. Bye.